Hello and welcome to the 28th edition of the Jaguar Report podcast. My name is Gus Logan, joined by my co-host John Shipley. John, the Jaguars are AFC, Ch- AFC South champions after beating the rival Texans 20-16. to After I laughed in your face in the last podcast about your accurate, perfect score prediction. So, how are you for, for the record, I knew Josh Dobbs was not scoring 20 points. It, it, it didn't matter. What defense you're putting out there? Okay, yeah, there there are moments where you know that that t- that touchdown pass he threw was pretty nice. He, where I was like, okay, dang, Josh Dobbs is actually looking semi competent. But right. once they stopped doing like all play action and throwing like outs and like five yard passes, basically once once he had to actually push the ball downfield, like that Tyson Campbell interception was one of the worst deep balls I've <laughs> I've ever seen a starting quarterback. Oh yeah. So, I, I, I saw some people like say that like Tyson was like beat on that play or something, but you watch it, it's literally he like he's running with the receiver and he can tell as soon as the ball is out of Dobbs' hands. And he said this after the game that because he was reading the quarterback that the ball was going to be underthrown, so he could basically just stop and catch it like a center fielder. It, it was uh, I did not expect the offense to kind of not score as many points as it did, but I feel I feel good being one of the Chosen few to know that Josh Dobbs is not going to score many points in an NFL game. Yeah, well, congrats on that. Thank yeah. you. I mean, we'll get to the offense and, like, breakdowns later, but they were just kind of the same old story, I felt like, of, like, old Jags almost of, like, kind of shooting themselves in a foot in a couple of key spots. Yeah. But Sorry about that beef. Every time I'm right about something, it goes <laughs> off. You don't have to apologize for being wrong, wrong or right. Never apologize. Oh, it's not going to happen this year. <laughs> All right. Well, I mean, the play of the game was obviously the Rayshon Jenkins blitz strip sack. Josh Allen <laughs> in coverage, of course, bringing it back for a touchdown. Personally, my favorite part my favorite part of the play was when uh, our guy Arden Key was just jumping up in midair before Rayshon even made contact and stripped the ball with like a huge grin on his face, and then he almost got in the way of Josh Allen on the return. So that kind of made it even better. He's the best. Like, <laughs> man, he's he's the best. Like, right. it, like not the you know be you know disrespectful. Everybody in the NFL is good, but he's like you know like the energy of Jahad Ward like yes. last year, but like actually good. You know, actually good. He's like I feel like it's gone like Fournette and then Ward and then Key in terms of kind of like characters, but the first two were kind of like. I mean, they're all goofy on the field in their own way. My my favorite thing about recent Jaguars games is watching Arden Key like do like a Rob Van Dam five star frog splash onto like a tackling pile. He's like coming from absolutely nowhere. Like his, his the the jump adds nothing to the play, but jumping yeah. on top of it regardless. Yeah, right. It feels like he just like jumps and kind of like does stuff at random. And I'm Dude. like, there's definitely times when he has a plan, and it's clear when you get nine pressures on 20 snaps that like you're doing something right. But like it just looks so funny sometimes. That's that's an absolutely unreal, you know, pressure rate. I said I think they said like you know next gen stat, stats. Shout out to our boy Keegan. What was it like? You said nine pressures on 20 rushes. I think it was the best since like week 16 in 2018. So it's like better than like. Any Nick Bosa, Micah Parsons, like well, pressure rate going out there. Like, cool, like the best single game performance in terms of pressure rate in the past several years. So pretty good. 
I'd say that was like my biggest general takeaway because I was up in the nosebleeds for the game. And then oh, yeah. I've got plenty of offensive takes, but I didn't get the chance to watch the defensive film. And so my biggest takeaway was just basically the defensive line dominated and won the game. And so Arden Key was a part of that. But what takeaways did you have from watching the defense? Yeah, no, our Arden Key, you know, obviously a huge part of that. He's he's somebody who had to really, you know, step up with the loss of DeWan Smoot because, I mean, he was always, you know, kind of in that, you know, third pass rusher role. But now that you lose one of your top rushers, you really need that third guy to step up. And, you know, he's done that the last couple of games. But I think other than that, I mean, you got up and down the list on the front seven, and it's, like, hard not to consider, like, each of the guys playing the best football they've played all year, which, you know, if you're going to make an impact in the playoffs, it's going to be – you know, making plays as a pass rusher. I mean, we see it time and time again. The teams that are able to get to the quarterback in January and February win these important games, and that's our I think Saturday against the Chargers is going to go. And I think the Jaguars finished the season with, like, the third highest pressure rate or something along those lines. But I think it was the last couple of weeks have been, you know, among the highest pressure rates that they've had in, you know, years, even dating back to the Saxonville days. Now, of course – the Texans offensive line in the season that they clearly kind of <laughs> gave up in and whatever the Tennessee Titans trotted out there last week, not good offensive lines, but nice. you're seeing the entire defensive front kind of, you know, kick it into gear on another level, kind of player by player. Like Devon Hamilton, that that play where Derrick Henry tried to throw it and he just like grabbed Derrick Henry like a child and like started pushing him back and landed <laughs> on him completely. Like one, it was hilarious to see Henry was able to get the ball out but two yeah it was just like an unreal play by hamilton because i mean it looked like you know if he did it on time it was maybe there mm-hmm. yeah the smooth point is honestly a good one just because that was arguably the jaguars best pass rusher in general but definitely rotational guy wise uh so he was an important depth piece and i mean he was great but if anything it seems like the pass rush has gotten better and as you said certainly part of that is with the offensive lines they've faced but they also had career games, as you said. Every, every one of them was outstanding. Yeah. Uh, what do you see from Trayvon specifically? Yeah, no, I, I, Trayvon's been somebody who, you know, it, his injury came, I think, at the worst possible time for him because it came, like, literally the game when the Jaguars were like, okay, yeah. we're going to let you do what you do well. And he had, like, an, right an incredible up. first half. And then the injury kind of completely, you know, derailed him for a couple weeks. He barely played against the Texans, I think he played, like, 25 snaps or something like that. Yeah. You know, see, seeing the game that he had, it really made me think that, you know, I like I know this is a flawed point and that, you know, evaluating a draft pick goes far beyond evaluating, you know, how a player did in week 18 because you can look at Aiden Hutchinson's season, you know, on paper and you would take his stats over Trayvon Walker's. But just in the context of the 2022 Jacksonville Jaguars, I thought Trayvon Walker had the kind of game where, you know, Trent Baalke can kind of like, be, you know, like give the double bird to everybody and be like, you know, like, yeah, you know, I, I, I kind of knew like that play alone where, you know, they, there were countless plays that he made a big impact in, you know, uh, Roy Robinson Harris's uh, sack. That was all Trayvon Walker, you know, beating the left tackle. Uh, he drew a hold on another would be sack. He drew a big hold, a hold on one of Henry's, you know, big runs. Uh, he made several run stops where he just demolished a tight end. But that one play where he was able to stop Henry at the line of scrimmage and Henry stiff-armed him 
and he just brought him down to the line of scrimmage. It was like, you know, Jesus, the, the Jaguars have been looking for the Derrick Henry, like, anecdote for it seems like a decade, and he's he's right there, you know. And to get into the playoffs, you have to win your division. I, firm, I firmly believe that, you know, maybe it's an archaic point of view, but when you draft and when you build your team, it's with your division in mind because the easiest way to get into the playoffs and to go into a run is, you know, to build for your division. And I think, you know, we saw kind of a case of Walker doing that. I don't, I don't think they win that game if they're starting Aiden Hutchinson or Kayvon Thibodeau because I don't think either one of them is able to create for the rest of the defense as much as he did in the pass rush game while at the same time, having that strong edge in the running game because, you know, that's what the Titans want to do. People see Derrick Henry and think, you know, they just want to run, you know, power and a halfback dive ball game. No, they want to get to the edges of the defense. They want to run at your defensive ends, and he kind of makes it impossible. Yeah. I mean, you're definitely right about kind of planning for your division. There's plenty of former SEC greats. I mean, Damian Pierce, the list goes on. (laughs) But, no, I mean, and, like, the whole – like, the – Fully Fatukazi kind of like disappeared a little bit and Corey Peters emerged as like another playmaker. But you mentioned Roy Robertson Harris. Uh, I mean, Josh Allen's talking about career games had yeah. probably the game of his life. What was the whole thing about like the sack not counting? I, I think it's because Dobbs recovered the ball and was then tackled by somebody else. So I think it counted there. I think so. So I think it counted as a tackle for loss by like Gotsis and Peters or something like that. So he hit him and forced a fumble, but since it technically wasn't a hit that brought him down, I guess it didn't count as a sack. But I'm I'm I'm, I'm with you. I think like literally up and down the list and Fatakasi. I think maybe it's a case of like you know he played like a kind of surprising low amount of snaps. You know he's not on the injury report anymore, but he was last week. He was questionable for the game. Maybe it was a case of, you know, he just wasn't quite 100%, and that's somewhere where they did have a lot of bodies because, you know, you have Hamilton, you have Peters, you have Gossis, you have Robertson Harris. You know, you have enough guys you can rotate in. Corey, Corey Peters, man. That, that, was, that was one of the all-time Jaguars performances because it came out of completely nowhere. The man with the graying beard. It was unbelievable. He was just, like, in the backfield – at least three times on just huge plays late in the game, too. Yeah, no, it, the the entire front, you know, really played inspired football. And, again, I know the Titans, it was mostly backup offensive line, but the, the Titans as a team, you know, the, the way they play, they're going to try to impose their will on you. And the Jaguars front seven kind of did that for them. I mean, you mentioned Josh Allen. I've covered, you know, Josh Allen's entire career. You know, I started in 2009. You know, he was drafted in 2000. Not 2009, 2019. You, you know what I mean. Shut up. <laughs> he, he was drafted in 2019, and I've so I've I've covered every single game of his career. That was the best regular season game I've seen him play, and that's counting the Buffalo Bills game, the Josh Allen Josh Allen game last year where he picked him off. Because to me, he was absolutely dominant in this game as a pass rusher, as a run defender. From you know, first play of the game was a tackle for loss from him. I mean, he just set the tone, yeah. and obviously, you know, the big touchdown score with. Like you said, him it coming in coverage was <laughs> absolutely perfect. I I don't want anybody to ever ask a why is Josh Allen in coverage question ever again. <laughs> but I I thought it was his you know best best game ever. And the cool thing was, it seemed like he was playing at his best when they needed him to. It wasn't like early in the game or anything. It was like on the most important drives of the game. 
Yeah. I'd say that was kind of a big question mark earlier in the season and just throughout his career, honestly, it was like showing up in big games and kind of being able to produce by himself. And I mean, as we said, the whole front seven had a day, but I mean, another guy that had a day was Foye Luakon. Uh, oh, yeah. Now the, the NFL's leading tackler for a second straight season on two different teams, which I mean, we talked about the leading tackles and him last week on last week's pod, but pretty, pretty dang impressive. Yeah, no, I mean, he, he's another guy I had, you know, uh, when it comes to building your team for your division, he's another guy I immediately think of because you know, he, he's a super physical linebacker in the middle. Uh, a friend of the pod, Eric Stoner, I'm not going to drop his comparison for Fourier, but it, it, it was a good one. And it was a, a Jaguar is great at linebacker. And I'm not, I'm not talking pause because it was a, you know, actual, actual, you know, above average linebacker, but. Oh, uh, God, shots fired. All right. No, 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 I kid, I kid. Pauses, pauses, pauses was fantastic. But no, regardless, I uh, think that, you know, Fourier, you kind of saw like really what his game is. You know, he's a hammer downhill. You know, he's great underneath. If you want him, you know, covering tight ends down the field, I mean, that, that's where teams are going to attack the Jaguars in the playoffs. You know, they're going to try to get – they're going to try to attack Fourier. They're going to try to attack Luma and Lloyd. They're going to try to, you know, maybe try to throw the safeties in the slot a little bit. The middle of the Jaguars' defense, that's where teams are going to attack. So, yeah. And that's just something you have to take with them. But it's kind of give and take because he's such a plus in the run game that, you know, when the Jaguars can make teams one-dimensional like they kind of did against the Titans and in situations like that in the game drive, I mean, that's the one thing about running backs where the nerds are – right for once about the running back position is like those late game drives, uh, like unless they're a pass catcher, you're like, okay, you're, you're useless. You know, like once they got to the 50, it was like, okay, Derrick Henry literally can't do anything anymore. So I mean, but I mean, bes- besides that, I think he's you know, Henry. like, he's, he's the only one that usually does do that. Yeah. But that's, <laughs> that's fair enough. That's fair enough. I mean, point. That's that's fair enough, and I, I mean, I, I guess every situation is different. But that was like my immediate thought when the Titans got the ball last. It was like after Henry got like two carries, I was like, they can't give him the ball, <laughs> the ball again. Like their best player, and they, that's where I knew the Jaguars were going to win the game. And that's when the Jaguars' defense is ultimately at its best is when they can make you one dimensional because then they can pin their ears back and kind of get after the quarterback, which yeah, is definitely. an obvious point, but it's a true point, damn it. I mean, I think that's what part of what makes this one so impressive. It's just like the offense got off to a slow start. They only had three offensive drives in the first half. Um, and so for the defense to not let the Titans get too far ahead, I guess, but then also to put their foot down in the second half. I mean, as much as we've talked about how like the schedule has been a little bit weak, they have been super impressive in the Jags second half season stretch in terms of kind of making yeah, adjustments and, really shutting down opposing offenses in the latter half. I mean, 20, 22 points in three games. Like, I, I get it. You know, Zach Wilson, Davis Mills, Josh Dobbs, but 22 points in three games. Yeah, Chris Shreveland. <laughs> Tattoo Tebow. <laughs> right. So, let's talk offensive takeaways. Uh, you want to lead it off or should I? You go ahead. I, I feel like I feel like you have an impassioned aura around you when it comes to this one. <laughs> All right. Well, the takes that I've seen and heard are is that Trevor had a bad game, which as the Trevor bad game apologist, 
uh, I'm coming here to say it was not a bad game because he had – okay, if, if we want to go drive by drive. <laughs> Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's drive. There was two Zay um, – Yeah. Like problems. In that was a weird drive. First and 10, that was like a catchable but tough – like it was a tough ball on play action that Trevor zipped to him. He should have yeah, caught exactly. it. Caught, it was like right there. He should have uh, caught it. He should have caught it. So it was a drop on first down. Then second down was uh, just like a zero or one yard run by ETN off the left side. And then it was uh, like the little crosser to Zay on third down where he caught it and just tripped immediately. As soon as he caught it, I thought it was the first down. And then right. <laughs> and I'm like, no, no, no. From my like, uh, spot in the nosebleeds, it was like so obvious. It was like as soon as he like got across the formation, it was like everyone could see he was wide open on the cross. But – yeah, so the Jaguars had to punt after two Zay mistakes. So, I do have a Zay anecdote before you continue. All right, go ahead. He made up for each of those mistakes in practice today. He threw the ball from the 30-yard line into, like, the end zone and a little bit off to it. They had those quarterback net things with the three things, and he threw the ball from the 30-yard line into the middle one, like, on a, on a dime <laughs> and just walked away like he didn't do anything at all. Like, didn't be like, oh, that's cool, anything. Just did it and goes and walks away. <laughs> It was a it was a laser. That's pretty sweet, but I don't know how throwing is going to help them catch the ball unless John Shipley is on the pod reporting that the there's going to be a little silly special again. Doug I'm Shipley. just saying if they if they ever need if they ever needed him to throw the rock, it's it's there. You think it's him? Yeah, but go ahead. I'm sorry, I just had to. Get, okay. There's no other time to get that in. I caught like two passes. <laughs> so first drive, two Zay mistakes, and a short ETN run. Forces a punt. The second drive, they were driving down the field uh, really well, and then they had the silly special where it was like a botch tumble. Would you shut up? <laughs> I'm sorry. I just saw that today, and I like I like laughed out. I hate that. I, I hate I hate that. I hate you for bringing that in the minute. <laughs> silly special. Shut the hell up. All right, I'll drop that two times. No, no, keep it, keep it, keep it, keep the bit going. Keep the bit going. Uh, I was gonna ask. Like, would you say that the blame for that was definitely on one person? Like, I would assume it was on Trevor, but like, I, I think it was, I tell who he was pitching it to. I think it was on Trevor. I, I think it was just a, just a bad pitch from him, which he pitches it poorly enough, <laughs> enough times in the season. Yeah. He wanted to just stop asking him to do it, but I think it was just a bad pitch. Well, I feel like they got got feel like they have to get ETN outside sometimes. It, yeah. It, it, it also, like, to me, like, I have no evidence for this being the case because you obviously should practice these plays a million times, and I'm sure they did, but pro- one of your tallest players pitching at the, you know, like your shortest player on the team. Like, it just seems like a weird, you know, kind of like dynamic. Yeah, that's true. Um, Okay, third drive. So we have Zay's fault, then Trevor's fault. Third drive was the Kirk 25-yard touchdown off play action so that was off another nice uh drive led by trevor down the field i was i'll drop some running stats later but the jags finished the game with 19 rushing yards which was the third lowest total in franchise history so not a lot of running production so yeah those are the three first half drives in the second half there was a field goal that was because of a that was the zay miss i'm pretty sure where it was another drive down the field and then there was, like, two plays that was just, like, well covered by the Titans, I thought, and, like, not really anywhere to go. 
And then on third down, Trevor misses Zay. So that's uh, four points off the board. Or just two two red zone mistakes by Trevor. Um, and then the next play, or next drive, he gets pressured three times in a row on three straight dropbacks to force a three and out. Or it was a five and out. Um, and then I forget what happened the rest of the game because I only watched that once and not twice. <laughs> but the point basically is that I'm just trying to make it go through the whole game. <laughs> yeah, like, three, three-eighths of the drive. Uh, is that like Trevor made the mistake on the lateral. He made the mistake for overthrowing Zay. And then he made the mistake of underthrowing Kirk on like kind of like the fade on the left side that could have been a touchdown on a third down play where it was like a pick route. And that was later in the game. Yeah, I think there was also the miss, what, to Marvin, I'd say, on the right side. Right. I That was like a pretty – tough throw I thought with pressure so like sure I don't know if I would like say that's like a pure miss to be honest but like I mean I he, he started what like 11 of 13 and that's like counting the Zay drops I'm like you can't even like say he had a bad game because he had a good first half like I get the pitch but I also kind of put the pitch thing on Doug Peterson because like Doug, Doug Peterson to me is one of like the top like six or seven play callers in the NFL but you know, it's it's obvious he's an Andy Reid guy because Andy Reid does the same thing. We yeah. just like comes <laughs> up with completely insane stuff at the worst time possible, and you're like, okay, this is a really cool play, and right. you know, like you appreciate it. But you're like, not right now though, and it, it just it felt like at the worst time possible because like Trevor was having a really good drive, like the that was one of the offense's best drive of the night, and it yeah. it was weird. It felt like the entire second half, the offense was just you know. Out of click, like I, I, I think you can probably attribute it to they got beat up front, and I think that's something that entering the playoffs. If you're going to ask me what's the biggest concern for the offense, I think it's that. Yep, I was because I think I felt like Trevor got pressured on every single second half drop back. If I'm being honest, and it was like interior pressure. Yeah, yeah, and, and like he, he's good. He, in my opinion, he's better against edge pressure because he can just. You know, out athlete it and make plays on the run. Interior pressure just seems like like it makes him like break all his like habits basically and do like everything he's not supposed to do. I feel like interior pressure is just harder to face. Like you always hear about Brady, like oh he's like susceptible to interior pressure, but I feel like that's more of just like any quarterback, any like yeah great quarterback's weakness is just so that it's hard to get away because like especially for him with the athleticism, if like the if an offensive tackle gets beat inside, then he just sprints outside of the pocket. And then if you, the tackle gets beat outside, then he just hitches up one step with those long freaking legs. And so, like, in your pressure, he kind of has to, like, spin around a little bit. <laughs> we'll admit that. That was a weird <laughs> I was just going to move past it. I don't know why I said that. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, but anyway, yeah, it, he got pressured a lot. Um, but, like, my point was that there was two, maybe three misses on, like, downfield big plays. Yeah. But, like, he was consistently driving the offense down the field. Uh, as I said, like, there was no, not really any running game. They had a 20 No, they were completely one-dimensional. Yeah, 25% success rate and negative um, – where's the stat? Negative .78 EPA loss per play, which is basically means, like – it was like a almost it was like a point seven point swing every single running play, which is a lot. Like most NFL running plays like are like negative point oh oh five EPA. 
And so the, it was not good. The longest carry was like seven yards. Yeah. And, and like, and that's, you know, like I said, if you're entering the preseason, I mean, preseason, Jesus, if you're entering the postseason, you know, that's the biggest thing. Like, yeah, I know. When, they, when they've gone against these teams with like physical fronts, especially physical interiors, you know, uh, the Washington game all the way back in week one, you know, the Eagles, I'd say even, you know, the New York Giants game. And, you know, you just go up and down the list. Yeah, they, they, those are some of the defensive lines that they've struggled with. And, you know, that, there's a reason the running game, you know, wasn't really going for a couple weeks there, you know, after, after the Tennessee game. You know, they were going against, you know, good run defenses. And they weren't really <laughs> able to move the defensive line. So I do think, you know, moving forward, that's the biggest thing. And, you know, like you said, there was a lot of pressure. There was, you know, Lawrence even said in his press conference yesterday, like he was kind of asked, what was the difference in the first half and the second half? And he said, you know, that a lot more like of his throws, there were miscommunications in his opinion because of, you know, maybe some miscommunications from him or from the offensive line up front and pressure kind of impacting some of his throws. And yeah. you could see it, you know, he was a lot more hurried in the second half than he was in the first half. Uh, I don't have first half, second half splits, but I have pressure splits. He had 14 dropbacks under pressure, which is – uh, almost half of them, like a 40% clip, basically. Uh, and he on those 14 dropbacks, he had a sack and five completions for 44 yards and a touchdown, which was the Kirk touchdown. Uh, but those 44 yards was the third lowest yardage production of the season on using play action. And then they also only got 10 yards from screens. Um, or I, did I mess up the play action, the pressure splits? No, I didn't. But anyway, the point... <laughs> The numbers are too much as the number guy, but the point no. is like he didn't—he was pressured a lot, and the screens and the play action didn't help a ton. And yeah. so I mixed up those two, so I'm just gonna keep moving on. But Trevor didn't get a lot of help, and he was kind of like single-handedly driving the team down the field. And so the question is like whether he can kind of convert that Zay throw and convert that Kirk throw next time. But like I think they like Jaguars would have gotten like a hundred yards total without Trevor. So that's why I think it's like more of like a fine. For yeah, him. you hope to see better from him. More of like a straight up that was a bad Trevor game. He was their best player on the field in the first half. Like he, I, I got like splits right here. Like he was eleven of thirteen for ninety eight yards, you know, and a touchdown, eight point nine yards a pop for one hundred twenty three point seven rating in the first half, and then in the second half he's nine for nineteen for one hundred and fourteen yards, you know, and. Let me see, a rating of 66.6. So, you know, averaging six yards a pass instead of, you know, what he was in the first half. And yeah. I, and some of those biggest plays, you know, like you said, came in the second half. So I I think pressure had a lot of, to do with it. But, I mean, you also look at what the Jaguars are in the game in the second half and seven carries for three yards. So I think that also has a ton to do with it. Yeah. All right. Well, the pressure stats is he was five for 13 for 35 yards under pressure. And 15 for 19 for 177 yards and a score without pressure. So a lot of pressures and clearly a big deal. And I will say if you're the Jaguars, you know, obviously the Chargers are a completely different team than they were in week three. But I think the game plan from Doug is going to mostly be the same. That was one of those games where like Trevor put up big numbers, but outside of a couple broken, you know, plays out, out of structure that he made, you know, most like the game plan it seemed like was like, quick game and, you know, get the ball, you know, the hell out of his hand quickly, you know, mm -hmm. kind of neutralize Bosa and Mac. I would imagine that's the same plan, you know, this weekend. Yeah. 
Yeah, I was going to say the same thing. For the same thing you said with Bosa coming back, he played, I think, 15 snaps in the week three game before he tore his groin. So with Bosa coming back and then, like, Kyle Van Noy has been just, like, unleashed on that defense for some reason. Apparently he has a sack in five straight games, which is, like, the longest active record, I think. Or Do you remember when he was, like, the next great linebacker prospect? Well, it was just, like, when, like, everyone was, like, all over the Patriots defense, like, hiring away their coaches. And then, like, Trey Flowers of the Lions got a massive deal and did nothing in Detroit. Do, do, you, mem- like, do you remember, like, him at, at college at all? Oh, no, I don't. I only remember him he, as Patriot. Dolphins. He had, like, his junior season or something, had, like, an insane bowl game. Like, it was something like, you know, multiple tackles for loss, sacks, an interception, a fumble recovery. Like, it was absolutely crazy. And had everybody mocking him, like, second and third overall. It was like a Marquise Lee thing when Marquise Lee was getting mocked, like, second overall, like, the entire offseason before he actually played. And people were like, no, this isn't right. Yeah, they said, oh, okay. Yeah. They watched the games, didn't they? They did. They did. Other than the bowl game. Turns out the Honolulu Bowl is not the NFL. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Go so nice. to, to mitigate pressure with the quick passes, uh, with Van Noy kind of coming on and Bosa returning, and then the performance of the Jaguars offensive line last week, but then also with uh, kind of like the Staley slash Fangio scheme of just kind of playing bend, don't break, let stuff in front of you, et cetera, et cetera. We'll definitely expect a lot of quick passes. You you mentioned Kyle Van Noy before Khalil Mack. <laughs> well, I think he's been. <laughs> I mean, I feel like Mack this year has been like good because he's Khalil Mack, but yeah, not old Khalil Mack either. That's fair. Yeah. But yes, they do start Khalil Mack. They do have Derwin James. It's a very talented roster. Uh, any more defense versus offense takeaways? I mean, the only thing I was going to say was just strength the schedule one more time because, again, you're going from those quarterbacks to a top three quarterback in the league. Yeah, no, I think – I mean, the the Jaguars, you know, specifically versus their defense, like it's going to be basically a live chess match. You know, Doug Peterson versus Brandon State. It's one of those cool games where, you know, you don't always get where the head coach is the play caller. And if you do, a lot of times you'll get like they're both like the offensive play callers. But this time it's offense versus defense. So it's literally like Doug versus Staley purely when the Jaguars have the ball. Doug, again, the the Chargers had a ton of guys injured in week three. It, the Jaguars all week have said that game doesn't mean anything to him. Press Taylor today was like that game felt like it was three years ago. Like it's clear the Jaguars don't care about that game because – I mean, they lost like five games in a row right after that game. So I think they know they're not they're not the team from them. But specifically talking about week three, Doug kind of had Staley in a headlock. He, he, he was kind of stuffing him in a locker. Yeah. I would say like the one other scheme thing I was going to mention is that they the Jaguars ran a ton of heavy personnel and a lot of power and like gap rushes. So they had a lot of trap and duo from what I remember watching them. Uh and, like, I feel like they've definitely had a lot of pulling stuff, but not necessarily those two specific runs. So, like, uh, did Hasty have a big run, or was it just James Robinson that game? I think it was I think it was just James. Well, James had a really big game, and so I'd say one of the storylines for I sure. think he had, like, 100 yards. Yeah, whether, like, ETN is able to kind of, like, pick up that slack and able to take advantage of the same thing that Robinson was. That, that, that's how long ago that game was. James Robinson had 100 yards rushing in <laughs> 
Yeah, that's a pretty long time. Let, let me see. James, yeah, James, James Robinson, 17 carries for 100 yards and a touchdown with 50 yards on one carry. I was going to say 16 for like 50. Yeah, ETN was like 13 for 45, and he didn't get more than nine. So ETN wasn't really a factor in that game. Like, I I know the Chargers obviously strong on the edge with Bosa and Mac, but that's still where I kind of think they should. Like, it just seems like the running game is at its best when it's going sideways as opposed to going downhill. Like, I just, they, they don't, they just don't have a downhill, you know, like yeah. smash mouth running game right now. Like, ETN can, he can do some of like the pulling guard stuff. Like, I think he actually does pretty well on trap. Uh, you know, like there, there's a few plays uh, I want to say against Houston, not not the touchdown, but a few plays of pulling guards where, you know, it looked like he had good patience. But it just seemed like getting him on the perimeter is the way to get him going. And I I, I just feel like, you know, if you're going to win, you got to do that. And to me, the key to this game is getting him in the run game going because, I mean, no matter what metric you look at, the, Char- the Chargers run defense, it's, it's bad. You know, yeah. they, they don't have the personnel for it. You know, Bosa is obviously a plus run defender, but they don't have any linebackers, any other defensive linemen who are plus run defenders. You know, they kind of have a pass first built team. And then their scheme is to, you know, kind of give you an easier shell to run at. Yeah, I would say also, like, you want to, like, just, like, get the running game going because of the weakness of the opposing defense, but also just to help out the offense and the defense. Exactly. Uh, because, I mean, we already mentioned how Trevor didn't really get help against Tennessee, but then they also only had three drives, as we mentioned, and their uh, time of possession was the third lowest of the season at 23 minutes and 48 seconds, and then they also had the second lowest number of plays on the season with just 47 on offense. And so just, like, not only have three – having three first-half possessions would be pretty nice, and so the running game would go a long way towards that. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, just the the Titans kind of played like if the Titans didn't have Josh Dobbs at quarterback and, you know, like actually didn't have like the walking dead of a roster and like had a full roster, the kind of game they played last week to me is how you win in the playoffs. Like just play keep away, like just limit possessions, keep getting first downs. I would go for literally like every fourth and short, just, just keep getting first downs and taking away possessions because, I mean, teams are – when you limit, you know, the amount of possessions they get and the amount of time that they have with the ball. I mean, we kind of saw the Jaguars, like, one mistake from the offense and kind of screwed – like, they only scored seven points in the first half because they didn't get the ball the entire half. So, like, the, the the Jaguars at times have kind of shown the ability to be that team. I mean, they've had long drive – like, that drive against the Colts in week six when it was like a 10-minute drive, that was methodical. You know, I mean, they've – They've got their entire philosophy is to be every kind of offense in one. So I think they've shown that they can do it and that if you want to win, you know, I, I think this is a game to do it. Like, I, I know it's going to be tempting. The matchups will probably be there in the passing game to an extent, but I just think this is the week you, like, you you got to take advantage of the running game. The, the Chargers, they, they they aren't built for it. They, they don't got that. They don't got that dog in them <laughs> in the run game. They don't, man. They're they're soft. They're they're, they're a soft run defense. Yeah, I think that I think they are too. I mean, like, Morgan, Mor- Morgan Fox. I mean, come on, that's a bit. The the game last week against the Broncos was not inspiring at all. It, it, it was a week like if, if you you're gonna play your starters like in a before a playoff game. You you would want to like build more momentum than that, <laughs> you know? Like, yeah, that that, that that seems so deflating. I like the Staley like strategy seems so weird. It's like he didn't have a strategy. It was like, yeah, we're just gonna phase the starters during the game, like just based on vibes, I guess. 
Like, I feel like it would have made way more sense if we were like, if they said, okay, we're only going to play our starters for the first half and then they're out. Or like the first three drives, I feel like a lot of coaches do, and then they're out. Maybe that's the, the, but the Chargers are a franchise built on vibes. <laughs> and they're usually not great, but they're in the playoffs. Want to make your own podcast? Spotify's got a platform that lets you make one super easily, then lets you distribute it everywhere and anywhere, and even earn money right from it. And it's all in one place for free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters, and here is how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer. So no matter what your setup is like, no matter where you're at, you can start creating today. Again, the for the week three game on the other side of the ball was definitely a toss out too because Justin Herbert was about a week away from having cracked his ribs and Keenan Allen, who I would probably vouch is the most important player on that offense, second to Herbert, obviously. Uh, he wasn't playing in the week three matchup. So, I mean, guard Keenan Allen. Is it as simple as that? What are you looking for here? That I mean, it, it felt like they didn't try to get Austin Eckler involved like at all. In week three, you know, like obviously the running game wasn't working. They didn't really try to run it, but it wasn't working when it did. But then they didn't even kind of throw him the ball. So I'd expect, you know, Austin Eckler against the Jaguars linebackers, you know, to be a big matchup. And then obviously, Keenan, I, I think the Jaguars match up well with the Chargers receivers on the outside. I think Tyson Campbell against Mike Williams. I, I don't know how often you want Darius Williams on Mike Williams just because of never. the size. <laughs> this, yeah. yeah, the size. Just never, not once. So, yeah. <laughs> so I would imagine you, you have Tyson shadow Mike Williams, yeah. you know, if Palmer against Darius Williams. I like that like matchup for Williams because I don't think – like Josh Palmer, he's not a bad receiver, but he's also not one who's going to particularly scare you. And right. I think Williams, he's kind of like a technician that he can kind of play with a guy like Palmer. So it's going to be Herndon in the safeties against Keenan Allen. And it's, it's basically, you know, what can Mike Caldwell draw up to limit Keenan Allen because, again – the issue of the Jaguars defense is, you know, the middle of the defense, like the pass defense. And that's exactly where Keenan Allen, you know, kind of hits. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They definitely got to kind of flood the middle of the field. I would agree with you that the outside matchups for Jacksonville are a plus, especially with Mike Williams being injured in the last game. Uh, do you know if he practiced today? I, I don't know. Uh, I'm not sure if he did, but I'm pretty sure he's playing. Okay. Well, I bet the mortgage. Yeah. I would expect him to play too, but it's possible he won't be at hundred percent. And, uh, in this matchup, the one thing I guess you might be able to expect to repeat is that shadow matchup because that was the first really probably shadow matchup of Tyson's career, but definitely of this season was against Mike Williams. And he allowed like a 15-yard touchdown on just like a 15-yard fade. That was a pretty beautiful pitch and catch. But that was before he figured out how to turn around and play the ball. <laughs> that was like It felt like the last straw because that was like the last time I remember like riding like, yeah, right, you know, he struggled to find the ball. And every other play was like, like he shut down Williams. For the whole game. He's really good against like this, like that style of receiver. You know, right. like he's, he's, he's good against every style of receiver. But if you had to pick one for him, it's to me, the bigger receivers, because they're not going to run by him, you know, so he knows he can trust his speed and he can kind of play them a certain way. Yeah, definitely. Like he, like Alec Pierce, like he, he brutalized him. <laughs> Until Alec Pierce went inside and then he brutalized the Jags. So. If gotta gotta stop Keenan, I'm a little bit nervous about Keenan. I mean, do you, do do you project like 
if you're the Jaguars, I'm imagining just the way they've played this year that their plan is to blitz the hell out of Herbert and try to get to him before he can hit Keenan. I mean, do you think they have the personnel to kind of do that? Uh, no, not to hold up on the back end. Cause like Josh Dobbs, when he tries to throw downfield, he throws like a lollipop to Tyson Campbell. And when Justin Herbert throws downfield, it's like the definition of a rocket throw, like, or a rocket arm, whatever you want to call it. Probably the best throw I've seen this season, if not in my entire life, was from the week three game when Herbert threw like a 60 yard in the air bomb, uh, like split the two Jaguars safeties on a post. It was just like he was rolling out and just flicked his wrist. Um, and so like, and honestly, like as great as his physical assets are, like his mental game is just as good, if not better. And so like, I think he's on like kind of like the list of like no blitz quarterbacks. So long story short, I don't trust the Jaguars secondary in, we, in general. So but do you think it'd be smarter for them to just rush four and kind of drop everybody else back? Yeah, I think you kind of have to like hope like your D line continues to like carry your team, honestly, and like like mix up some coverages, I guess, but like mostly just play like a lot of shallow zones because like that like the one thing is that uh the Jaguars had a coaching advantage on the other side of the ball in week three, for sure, with Peterson versus Staley. And, like, I feel like we both probably think that'll happen again. Um, but on the other side of the ball, it's like Caldwell arguably has a coaching matchup as or advantage as well, just because the – Say his name. <laughs> Mike Caldwell? Or no, the other guy. I don't even – I can't even – I was going to try to avoid it because I can't think of it. Joe Lombardi. Joe Lombardi. Yeah. Joe and Lombardi. NFL royalty. He runs like the horizontal spread scheme, even though he has the most physically talented quarterback in the league. Like, would be arguably the best if Mahomes wasn't in this era. That's Vince's grandson, if you don't know. Nobody ever mentions it. Well, I mean, it's Lombardi. It's a given. He has to yeah. be. He, he, he got in the NFL completely on merit, though. It didn't have anything to do with that. Oh, really? I was about to make a joke about how, like, it must have been because he knew someone. I mean, everyone knows his last name. I'm kidding. I'm pretty sure he made it completely. (laughs) Is that the Chargers offensive scheme is like, I wouldn't say terrible, but I would also say it holds Herbert back a little bit. And so I would say like play kind of like a more bend don't break and like. Like the plan about they have Kenny Pickett at quarterback. I'd, I'd rather allow Herbert to be like a robot and like get through all of his reads and then check down Eckler and Eckler break a tackle for a six yard gain then, like, blitz and then have, like, someone burn Darius Williams on the outside. My, my entire issue with the Chargers offense is, like, you have, like, this, like, pure, like, stallion of a quarterback who can make, you know, like, every single throw. And they, they're they running an offense. Like, they have Kenny Pickett or Josh Dobbs or something, that like quarterback, you know. Yeah. It's, like, completely safe, you know. And it, it doesn't help that they have probably one of the – like, I'd say them and the Colts are probably – Two of the slowest offenses. Yeah, I was yeah. gonna say, like in defense of Lombardi, uh, like it's not like they can really stretch the field that much on their own. So that's probably a part of it. Fair enough. Still, like, I don't know. He could get a little bit more help. So I would I would like play back and just not let Herbert go God mode on me. Cause I think like the key to victory is either like who wins the Peterson versus Staley chess matchup unless, like, one of these quarterbacks just, like, announces that his arrival to the league as, like, an elite, elite quarterback, even though we both talk about them 
like they're in the tier. They are both making their first playoff appearance. So you're a Lombardi fan. What? Yeah, that's <laughs> a little bit. I'm just saying his receiver. You said you like this key. I mean, I, when is it? Is all I'm asking. When is it? When is what? The Lombardi family reunion. I'm, I'm sure that <laughs> I'm sure you're invited. No, you, you know, press is my uh, long lost uncle. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Don't worry. I probably I got some trees somewhere for sure. Not like right. you though. You got a real coaching tree, even if it is in pro. Hey, we're we're gonna at least double our wins next fall. All right, nice. From one to two. <laughs> All right. What else is there to talk about? Should we do score predictions or is there Oh yeah, oh yeah. Come on. Hit me. All right. I'll show you mine if you show me yours. Come on, you go first. <laughs> Thirty Watch your voice break. <laughs> I had to make it up on the spot. I didn't predict it before. But I feel good about that one. 30 to 24 Jaguars. I think 30. I feel a little bit more confident in Doug kind of like – I mean, one thing we didn't mention is like the Jags had a rest disadvantage against the Titans by like four days. Because the Titans had Thursday night football and the Jags had Saturday night. Um. But now the Jaguars have, like, a one-day rest advantage, if that means anything, and a home field advantage. So I think that, coupled with, like, I believe in Peterson a little bit more than Staley, I think, coupled with – I mean, I would say Herbert is better than Lawrence, but, like, I think either of them could just, like, go off and carry their team to victory. So 34. Okay. I'm going to go 34-31 Jaguars. Okay. I think it'll be a shootout. Jaguars kind of pull it out late. See, like, <laughs> I see that, but I also see, like, I mean, as the Jags just showed and, like, the Chargers just showed both, like, last week, they're still both very capable of, like, doing stupid things. And so, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I, what like, I say? What did I say again? 34-31? What do you say? What did I say? 34-31? Yeah. Okay. I'm going to hold myself to that. All right. It, like, I don't know. It's just, like. Two like new coaches ish, new quarterbacks ish. I I think Herbert's gonna go crazy. He he, he I, here's my thing. I think Herbert's gonna go crazy, and then I think Doug Peterson's gonna go crazy. That's not saying like I think Trevor Lawrence is gonna have some kind of revolutionary game. I think like Doug Peterson, like he, he's just gonna press all the right buttons with the offense right. this week. I was like a little bit disappointed with some red zone play calls honestly last week. I just thought they were like. I guess not bad, but just dry. And so, like, I want to see, see a silly special. It felt like a conservative game plan. It felt like a conservative kind of – Yeah. Because it kind of felt like he was like, you know, get points anyway we can get them. I agree. I think I think there could be some uh, fun stuff. I mean, he, he, he even said this week that in the playoffs he's more inclined to gamble on fourth down. Yeah. I mean, like, they lined up for it on the first drive, I think, on, like, fourth and six. They're like, ah, nah. I guess we'll punt. But they're I'm sure he was thinking about it. Because against the yeah. Chargers, like I th- think on their first scoring drive, they went for on fourth and six or had two fourth down conversions. So that's kind of something to watch for sure. That quarterback sneak Trevor did get on fourth down or third down. That was not a first down. <laughs> they all the good karma from earlier in this year of them just getting shafted on spots came I was to say. Funny that you say karma, because I was thinking like I don't really know if like the strip sack at the very end was a strip sack or an incompletion. 
So maybe that was a little bit of karma. The Rayshon one? For in the playoffs. Back the Rayshon play? Back. Yeah, Rayshon. Oh, that was a fumble. You thought? Yeah. It was come. It, the ball was coming out before his hands started going forward. And then, like, obviously his body and Rayshon's body helped propel it. But oh, the, ball was, the ball was already coming out, at least in my opinion, before. And the, the opinion of the National Football League, <laughs> let me add, before it, who have never been wrong in an NFL call. It's not enough evidence to overturn for sure. <laughs> I just want to say it was hilarious how quickly the NFL was like, okay, go. <laughs> like, <laughs> not go. Like, this, that was a play that you yeah. could have justified like spending like 10 minutes on. Yeah. And they were like, no, get the hell out of here. Oh, like the Jags field goal unit was trotting on. I was telling my buddy, I was like, what? Like, did it actually get approved? I like couldn't really believe my eyes. When it happened, I tweeted. Uh, I was like, Jaguars retook the lead, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I had no idea. It, it, it was cool to see the refs actually let a play play out. Yeah, definitely. So moving on, I guess, to just kind of closing wrap. DeAndre Hopkins. Is it happening, John? There's no reason for me to, like, say, like, okay, like, I, I think obviously you need, you need to break it down into a few things. The entire reason people have been talking DeAndre Hopkins is, you know, an Arizona radio host yesterday. You know, I probably should have already had this pulled up. I'm going to pull it up right now while I riff. But an Arizona radio host yesterday said, you know, more or less that Hopkins – from what he was hearing, had, you know, two preferred destinations before he, you know, and he has a no trade clause before he enters into any kind of trade agreement. And it, yeah, it was Dave Burns and John Gambardo on the Burns and Gambo show in Arizona. And Gambardo said, here's the quote, he said, uh, I've been told several times over the course of the last five or six weeks that it's very possible he's going to ask out, that he's not happy, that he's going to want to go somewhere else, Gambardo said. I've even heard today from people very close to the situation that, you know, the preferences for him would be the Jaguars and the Chargers, the Jags, because he could be with Lawrence and Peterson, could be his best shot at a title to go with one of those teams. The problem is each guy has a highly paid receiver. The Jags have Kirk, the Chargers have Mike Williams, etc. It's just a preference I've heard from people close to Hopkins that that's two teams he would like to go to. But we got to see how it plays out. So nowhere in that does it say – you know, the Jacksonville Jaguars, you know, are moving, are moving, you know, Gibraltar to yes, get to the, yeah. It, it, like it has nothing to do with the Jaguars having interest. It's just, you know, if if you're DeAndre Hopkins and you're looking at teams you want to join, you know, like Tyreek last year when he requested a trade, you know, playing for Trevor Lawrence and playing with Trevor Lawrence and for Doug Peterson, I mean, playing with Justin Herbert, I mean, the, those are two places I'd want to go to if I was a receiver, especially, you know, like, yeah, going to a, a team in the AFC if you want to be a ring chaser is a bit risky because the AFC is insane right now with, you know, Mahomes, Burrow, Allen, Herbert, Lawrence, et cetera. But I think if you're a receiver, it makes a ton of sense. I don't think the Jaguars – I don't, I, I didn't think it was in Trent Baalke's blood to do the Calvin – like his DNA to do the Calvin Ridley trade and he proved me wrong, and I since applied him for it. I think it's the best move he's made. I think it's one of the most creative trades the team has made in the last couple of years, and it's hilarious to me that Trent Baalke, ultimate football guy, is, you know, the one who, you know, kind of orchestrated it, and he did. But I don't think, you know, moving money around for Hopkins, when you already have money committed to Kirk, uh, to Ridley, 
for at least next year, to Zay Jones for at least next year, when you already have that much money at receiver. And then that's not even talking about Agnew, who I think we, you know, making like $5 million to be the number four receiver and return man next year. So, I mean, does it make sense? No. But the Jaguars should be absolutely flattered. I mean, this is the first time in, like, franchise history, like, blue chip players and, like, veteran, like, all pros who are, like, entering that next stage of their career who just want to ring. Like, when have they ever wanted to play the Jaguars? Like, literally never. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't think ever. That's definitely the biggest win. I mean, as much fun as it is to kind of daydream about Kirk and Ridley and Hopkins and Etienne and Engram, for that matter, catching balls from Trevor Lawrence in the future. Uh, it's pretty unrealistic, but the fact Etienne wouldn't be catching any passes in that offense, my friend. <laughs> He'd see 10 targets all year in that mm-hmm. offense. He got like two. He actually had like a design target in this game for the first time, like in a while it was i mean i think it was mostly because of like the linebacker he was up against but it was like clear he was running like an option route that trevor was looking for so like i guess Pe- that cool. people are gonna ask at his whole career and it, it, like why they don't throw it to him more and it's just this offense just like they don't want to throw it to the running back yeah i mean I, 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 let me ask you this would you rather have if you could financially make it work DeAndre Hopkins on the Jaguars next year or Evan Ingram, Arden Key, and Jawan Taylor on the Jaguars next year. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna enter the Jamal Agnew and DeAndre Hopkins discourse because I'm a man of what <laughs> Yeah, we don't need to go around that. You said uh Engram and Key and who else? Jawan. I'd rather have Nuke. Yeah. But that's like that's that's an irresponsible like I don't even think that's like Correct. I, I think so too. I, I think so. It's DeAndre Hopkins, dude. <laughs> like, and like, people keep saying. I was just going to say, like, he's the one thing I was thinking about in the back of my head this whole time is that, like, he's 30 and he's getting up there, even if, like, contract isn't really an issue. So, like, to kind of, like, devote a lot of resources to an aging guy is like, eh. But, like, at the same time, like, Trevor's on his rookie contract. It's kind of the window to go get guys even if they are a little bit older but like the reason i was like interrupting you is that like actually like thinking about it he's like still been pretty good it's not like he's falling off the cliff at all like he's still deandre hopkins would you trade andre cisco in a second round pick for deandre hopkins no really because i do that in my sleep I, I don't think, like, the Jaguars can, like, win a Super Bowl with, like, their current defense the way the secondary is. So when you take away, like, their only formidable safety and coverage, yeah. like, that's just, like, I think that's too big of a hole. And then, like, you screw yourself by giving away a second rounder. Like, if it was, like, Rayshon in a second, then I would say yes, honestly. Devin Lloyd in a second. Oh, that's a tough one. Yeah. yeah I think I'm going to I think I'm gonna start buying low on Devin Lloyd this summer probably. Okay, I, I I I think I I think I've been too hard on him. That he's salvable. I think I've been too hard on him. Uh, one thing I put into a group chat today was Josh Allen for Nuke. Just like if my, Allen is like an ending contract, and like if kind of teams are like get the sense that he's not going to resign with Jacksonville. Yeah, firing guy for an expiring guy, maybe. My only thing is, where does the pass rush come from if you trade Josh Allen? Draft pick. Better hope the high, the high god you hit. That's fair. 
But then again, teams are normally that egomaniac to where they're like, yeah, we're <laughs> like, it, it could be a six round pick will hit, you know, like right. that's, that's true. Yeah. No. So I think Nuke dude, like I just get yeah, my entire thing with Nuke is that he's getting old, but he's, he, he's had an old man game since he was a rookie. Like he, yeah. he had, like he has a game that should age wonderfully. And I think with Trevor Lawrence specifically, like I think they'd be like, perfect for each other so that's exactly what i was gonna say and like they already kind of have two route runners and kirk and ridley kirk by the way i thought was like ridiculously good at route running against the titans i was i thought he, he had a great game. game um so those, like you kind of have like the same mold of receiver and so nuke would just like honestly okay you get nuke because he solves your red problems you put him on one side and then either you throw it to him every time it's single coverage or safety comes to help and that like and then doug will be able to scheme up anything else on the other side so now that i'm thinking of it like he's a perfect receiver for trevor but like they're already so good between the 20s as they were against the titans but like if you can get a guy to like solve an issue that's turning three points to seven every other drive then yeah you go get that so I'm back what if, and second in Cisco. I'll, I would do that. What if you could get it for two thirds, but you got to pay his contract next two years? Yeah, I, like the I'm I'm not like super worried about the contract just because like I don't really know what it looks like yet. Like there's always money in banana stand. Yeah, like they could like give extra compensation to the Cardinals for them to like eat salary a little bit if the Cardinals are going to do like a mini rebuild. I mean. They could like turn it into a signing bonus, turn other contracts into signing bonus, prorate, push it back, like extend so that like the money gets pushed back. That would probably make the most sense, honestly. Uh, but like the Jaguars, even though they're kind of in cap hell right now, um, like so many of their contracts are just basically like without after two or three years. So and they're gonna shed a ton in March. You know, like, just realistically, they're gonna shed a couple noticeable ones in March. Any like. You feel like naming now? Like Shaq. Oh, well, yeah. I just I was more curious than like anyone about Shaq, I guess. Because like Roy Arbison Ray Sean are both like expensive, but like I think I think I know. Important. True. He's got Agnew, Roy. As a good yeah, as good as Agnew is, he's getting paid too much for his role. Yeah. Roy. Yeah. Okay. Um Let's wrap it up with playoff predictions. We're both predicting the Jags to beat the Chargers in this wild card round at the bank. Uh, how far do we think the Jags are going to go, though? Assuming well, week, they would then they, like they, their entire like playoff path. Like it's like get past Herbert, and then you have to get past a combination of like Mahomes or Allen and Burrow. Right. Like you have to play two of those three, so. It's like one of the hardest playoff like roads like in the last decade or two probably if we're thinking about yeah. it, like, quarterback leading wise. Yeah, so I, I think I think divisional round. I think they're gonna draw. Like, there's no way. Like, there's no way Cincinnati and Buffalo don't win in the wild card. They're playing backup quarterbacks who, Frank, like, frankly, shouldn't even like be starting playoff games. Like, that's a serious issue. That yeah, should barely be rostered. Yeah, so I mean, in if Teddy Bridgewater plays, I mean it's Teddy Bridgewater. So you know, the Bills and Bengals are going to win; they're going to advance. If the Jaguars win, they play Kansas City in the second round. It, looking back on the Kansas City Jaguars game is interesting because, like, the Jaguars forced a couple of turnovers, 
and they only lost by 10, and they missed two field goals, and they had one touchdown negated that they had to kick the field goal on, and that's 10 points, Gus. <laughs> so like, that was a game they should have been in, but I still – Mahomes in the playoffs against the Jaguars' defense, I just I, – I, I can't. I can't do it. No, they would put up 50 points. Like, this Jags' defense is, like – I hate to say it, but, like, asking to, like, have another, like, Dallas or Detroit game, I think. So, like, like Mahomes at Air Hood in the playoffs, as you said. Like, yeah, it would be bad. Yeah. And, and then, Go ahead. And then if you beat him, you know, like we said, then you got to play Burr or Allen. And yeah. I just – I don't know if I buy enough stock in their defense to go and win those games yet. I agree. I, I, I don't know if their offense can go toe-to-toe with those offenses yet. I, I think the offense is still in an in, in early stage of its – you know, maturation and the Doug Peterson, you know, kind of plan. I was just going to say in the Chiefs game, like they were driving on their first one and then had Isaiah Pacheco fumble like in the red zone. Um, And then like they were just targeting Devin Lloyd the entire game from what I remember. And like, like watching the film back, it felt like they could have scored like 80 points. Yeah. Like like, the, the way I see the Jaguars in the playoffs is like to me, normally the teams are either the best head coaches or the best quarterbacks won the playoffs. And to me, I would rank Trevor as the fifth best AFC quarterback in the playoffs right now. You know, I think I would go Mahomes, Allen or Burrow, however you want to rank them, Herbert, then Trevor. You can probably debate Trevor and Herbert. I'd probably still give Herbert the slight edge. I mean, he has more game experience too. So, I mean, what do you think? Like, my, my list would be Herbert, Teardrop, Burrow, Allen, Herbert, or Herbert, Allen, Burrow. Teardrop, Patrick Mahomes retired. What? Okay, Mahomes is at the top. Teardrop, Herbert, Burrow, Allen, Teardrop, Trevor Lawrence. Yeah. Wow, had to talk really slowly there. (laughs) Teardrop, thank you. (laughs) Yeah. So I and that's the thing with the Jaguars is okay. So. Your entire hope for, you know, going far in the playoffs is being quarterback driven because the defense is what it is. But you also have, you know, I mean, it's not an insult to Lawrence because in the NFC, he'd be one of like the two or three best quarterbacks. But it's just the AFC is insanely loaded and he's a second year quarterback. I mean, I, I think he's going to be going into next year's playoffs. I think he's going to be higher up there in number five. I mean, AFC is loaded. AFC is loaded. I really hope Lamar gets a ton of money in the NFC. That'd be that'd be cool. Who we want to go to the Falcons, right? Oh, that'd be pretty sweet. Lions. Lions. Lions have let me down. I think they're going to go back to the whole golf thing. I feel. I'm curious if they're going to like try to get like Carr or like some like Tannehill, like a mediocre quarterback that's not really going to do anything more. Okay, let's look at. Okay, Philadelphia won't be in the quarterback market. Neither were Dallas. The Giants, I think they have to bring back Daniel Jones now. Uh, I don't want Lamar to go to Washington, dear God. No. Yeah, Detroit, yeah. Uh, Carolina. Oh. New Orleans. Oh, Carolina should just, like, do uh, what the Broncos tried to do with Nate Hackett and Aaron Rodgers, and they should just get, like, whoever, like, Lamar would want as his head coach. Greg Romans. <laughs> no, like just whatever the opposite. Of Greg <laughs> Not Greg Roman. Greg Roman can be like the run game designer, maybe, maybe that'd be like. Hear me out. Job. 
highest access. But Brady goes to Vegas. Tampa Bay trades for Lamar. I don't like that. I feel like Tampa Bay is like – I mean, they've got like Werfs and the safety, Winfield and like some other young players, but like I feel like they're so old also. Yeah. I feel like they're kind of like – I feel like they're about to go do a rebuild once they trade Brady. Does Lamar play another snap as a Raven? Doesn't feel like it. I don't think he does. I, I think he's out of there. I, 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 I have no sourcing on this whatsoever. Obviously, I don't cover the freaking Baltimore Ravens, but it just you get the feeling that he's like done. He hasn't practiced in thirty-eight days. I my jaw dropped when I saw that today. That's wild. For like, like like the updates from Harbaugh are getting like more and more vague somehow. Even if we get as we get closer and closer to the playoffs, so it's like a Jim Harbaugh. It's like a Jim Harbaugh answers at that point. Once you get to that level of vague, it's over. <laughs> All right, playoff predictions before we get out of here. Um, I had Chiefs Niners before the season, so I'm going to stick with that. Even though I'm going to go, I'm going to go Chiefs over Eagles. I, I I know it's a chalk one, but I just I think the Eagles roster is like too stacked. I just don't think I, I don't know if I can trust their defense of like coaching yet. Or it, it, it's I don't know if I can trust like Jalen Hurts like against a like really good defense. Like, I I think Eagles 49ers should be like the dream championship game. Yeah, definitely. The Eagles like deserve to be the one seed, but it's like we we can't have Brock Purdy win a Super Bowl, Bowl guess. Uh, I'm gonna place a bet on the Bills though. I think they might be a team of destiny. I feel like a lot of times like Red Sox after the Boston bombing. Text or the Saints after Katrina. Uh, there's the Astros, I think, or yeah, the Astros after some Houston hurricane. I think I don't know. Sports teams win after like crap happens. So no, I I, I, I kind of feel like the storyline storyline can happen. I don't I don't think the Bills are going to necessarily win because of the Boston bomber, but <laughs> you said it, not me. No, I. <laughs> I could I could see the Bills doing it. I mean that that, that first touchdown return was electric. The, the yeah. second one, the second one had me like, okay, Roger. <laughs> I was like, yeah, exactly. So like, that's my point, though. That's why they're winning. Fair enough. Fair enough. Nah. I don't know if I they think... want to bring any more light to it though. At the same time, so maybe they'll get bounced first round. The most Buffalo Bills thing ever is for them to dominate the Bengals in the divisional round. Mm-hmm. Have a ton of hype going to Kansas City, and then just get their hearts completely stomped on with metal cleats. Yeah, it's like they're a weird team. Now. Like, the, like the the Bills and playoff success, I just I've never seen it in my life. Right, that's the thing is like I feel like we've been talking about them as like Super Bowl serious contenders for a couple of years now, and it's just like have they really even gotten close? It'd be cool to see Josh Allen in the Super Bowl. Yeah, I would like to see it. It's just that like it hasn't happened. Uh, my, my my final hot take about the playoffs before we go. Mm-hmm. Like, if you're ranking, like, coolness of, like, teams that go to the Super Bowl, like Mahomes and Allen or one and two, like, it'd be cool to see the Bills in the Super Bowl. I don't want to see Brock Purdy. In the, I don't want to see him in the Super Bowl. I don't want to see him win the Super Bowl. <laughs> the discourse, Gus. We can't do the discourse. Not enough swagger for you, John? Dude, we can't do the discourse. I mean, we're already, like, no, There's I had somebody tweet. I tweeted out like my like rook, 
I tweeted out like my like rookie of the year stuff, and somebody said Brock Purdy. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> he played five, five games. games. You don't give an award to someone who's played five games or whatever it's been. I made it through the Nick Mullins discourse. I made it. I I, I made it through so many past battles, Gus. But I can't do the Brock <laughs> Purdy stuff. I can't do it. Uh, all right. Well, I kind of hope to see the Vikings like advance far. I think it'd be like funny if they like just kept winning close games and just like never stopped and just like made like people pull their hair out. So I'm kind of rooting for that, but it'd be funny if they went to the Super Bowl and then like lost in like TCU style. <laughs> that would be good. Not, that might be my new favorite outcome for the playoffs. Okay, yeah, okay, I got a new favorite. Okay. Purple championship team get smoked. All right, John. Well, it's been episode 28, I think. Yes, it has. We'll hopefully be live next week. We had some technical difficulties before the pod today. Just couldn't really figure. You know, potting is difficult. It's not as easy as they say. Not everyone can do it. It's real work, you know. If you had to place a gust bet on if we go live next week or not, you doing it or not? <laughs> uh, yes. I'm yeah, I'll dedicate myself to the podcast. Yeah, we'll we'll we'll, we'll go live with next week. Okay, I'm best for the 29th episode of the Jaguar Park. Jaguar Report Podcast. That's John. I'm Gus. We'll see ya.